Welcome back to Love Letters and Mixtapes. I am so glad you're here. This is a weekly podcast with new episodes available every Monday morning. The inspiration for this podcast was a desire to write, share, and talk about things that our younger selves needed to hear, whether that was 30 years ago, three years ago, or yesterday. Together, we can remix all the tapes in the unconscious programming that usually triggers us into reactivity and maybe find a new perspective that allows us to live life on life's terms with a measure of emotional sobriety. After you listen to this episode, please make sure to subscribe on your favorite listening platform, rate it and review it on Apple Podcasts, or share it with friends. If you enjoy this episode, please consider sponsoring this podcast with a small monthly donation by clicking the link in my Instagram bio at Love Letters and Mixtapes. I'd like to thank the sponsor of this podcast, Snake River Roasting Company is an organic coffee roaster located in the beautiful mountains of Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Not only do they roast award-winning coffees, but their mission and commitment to supporting the rights of women farmers around the world are just incredible. Today, I started my morning with a cup of their Wonderland Organic Coffee Blend. And if you're ready to fall in love with your coffee, Snake River Roasting Company has a free shipping code for you to give their delicious coffee a taste. Head to their website, snakeriverroastingco.com, and use the code COFFEELOVE at checkout for free shipping on all domestic coffee orders. A few weeks ago, I posted one of those Ask Me Anything question boxes in my Instagram stories. And one of the questions that came through was, what do you want? It was one of those really difficult questions disguised as an easy one. I was surprised at how much I struggled to admit that I actually want anything. I had a really hard time coming up with 10 things to list in my reply. There's probably a few reasons for that. You might relate to one or two or all of them. Maybe you grew up the way that I did, and you felt that the only way you could feel loved or cared for was if you had no needs, almost as if you would only receive something if you were as invisible and quiet and emotionally small and unproblematic as possible, which is a really challenging way of life to shift out of as an adult. So when someone asks me point blank what I want, my first thought is usually, oh my God, you can see me, (laughs) Um, to be honest. And my second thought is, yeah, I don't want anything. I'm fine. Another issue might be that you were raised in a home that was very punitive, or maybe you believe in a higher power that is just waiting to catch you or trip you up or punish you. Or take something away from you. And I gotcha, God. And so you find yourself not wanting to speak anything into existence or state your desire because God forbid you should want anything, as that would just make you vulnerable to have something taken away from you. Maybe you're still processing the trauma and massive life changes that unexpectedly impacted all of us since 2020 began. Living in survival mode for an extended period of time, even in deep gratitude for having all that you need to survive, can distort our perception. Desiring more can almost feel shameful, or as if we're taking things for granted. Or maybe when someone asks us what we want, we're reminded of all the times we had to go without 
And so it hurts a little in a way that we don't quite have words for yet. Maybe none of those examples resonate with you at all. And you're just one of those people who always knows exactly what you want in any given moment. If so, I admire you completely. I just know that my life tells a completely different story. And so this week, I tried an exercise that a friend suggested. After my daily meditation, I wrote down 100 things that I want. Putting pen to paper, creating my list, and just sitting there through the discomfort until I finished. And I have to be honest, it felt awful at first. Painful, even. It was embarrassing how long it took me to complete. To allow myself to think outside of a survival mode framework. To step away from my very distorted fears of inevitable punishment or deprivation. Almost as if, by admitting that I actually want something, I was ensuring that I would never receive it. And if such a simple exercise was that challenging for me, then I'm sure it would be just as challenging for some other people. Because it doesn't just reveal what we want. It reveals what we don't think that we deserve. It reveals the things that we are afraid that we won't ever have, the things we've lost in the past, things we're too afraid to ask for or go for, things we've settled for, and our overall relationship with the universe and our ability to receive. Willie Nelson once said, 99% of the world's lovers are not with their first choice. That's what makes the jukebox play. And I was thinking about that quote when I sat down to write my notes for this episode. Some of the bittersweet, aching feelings we have connected with what we really want, what we truly desire, and how often those things are at odds with what we think we deserve or what we think we can get, and how all of that drives us. Sometimes we have a stronger connection and relationship to those feelings of unworthiness or anticipatory grief than we do with pleasure or happiness. And that made me think about our concept of surrender. Surrender is pretty much only brought into our awareness or conversation when we think of personal pain, turmoil, difficult life circumstances, loss, But what about surrendering into joy, surrendering into beautiful phases of our lives, surrendering into miracles? How come there is no conversation about that, especially when so many of us are not that skilled at receiving or accepting the good? And even if we could do that before the year that was 2020, How has this year and last year impacted our ability to identify or walk towards the people, places, or things that we really want? How did our apocalyptic experience shift our perspective or our willingness to explore or admit what it is that we really want? 
Life is still incredibly challenging for so many people around the world, so I don't mean to speak of this pandemic as if it's in the past tense, because we are still moving through different stages of it, phases that we don't even really recognize. Almost like a slow healing bruise. The swelling has gone down, the colors have changed, but it's still right there under the surface of our skin. It's sensitive, and we make adjustments or constrict our movements so as not to irritate it further. So with that in mind, what did 2020 or 2021 bring up for you? Did it make you rethink how you have spent your time, lived your life, communicated with the people you love? Did it make you wonder how you would want to spend your time at the end of the world? Or dream about how you'd want to live at the start of a new one? And during this strange time, without our normal distractions or the rhythm and pace of life as we knew it, so many of us found ourselves diving a bit deeper into the relationships we knew. Whether those were long buried under time or miscommunication or distance or resentment, they were resuscitated in a way. New eyes looking at old feelings. And I think that some of us were inspired. I'm not trying to find the bright side of our collective experience these last two years or say something irritating like, everything happens for a reason. If you listen to this podcast, (laughs) you know I am a dark rain cloud sometimes. (laughs) So that is not what I try to do. I don't try to push anyone into positivity. I like to live in the reality of the experience and not try to make it anything other than what it is. But speaking about being inspired to look at these relationships, it felt like some of those intense moments that we went through in these last two years were similar to what happens after a life or death experience. We see things differently. We feel things more profoundly. We want our lives to have meaning. Even food tastes better, (laughs) you know? We are inspired to make changes, to go after what we want, and to trust the next steps with a sort of unwavering faith because we've just survived something. And whether it's adrenaline or something else, we feel bold. But the thing that no one ever really talks about is how that feeling eventually wears off. We come down from whatever high that is. And no one talks about how we begin to doubt ourselves again when we return to earth or return to our bodies. Those self-conscious thoughts creep in and we begin to see ourselves as smaller, more human, and less capable of going after what we really want, maybe even a little less deserving of getting what we want. And that brings us back to the topic of this episode. What do you want more than anything? Do you even know? Do you see it as a vision in front of you or a higher ideal? Or is it something you always see in the rear view mirror, tinted with impossibility? Are you walking towards what you want? Or are you running from it? 
I was reading a book by Mark Nepo this week where he talked about the exquisite risk of speaking your heart as if it was for the last time. And I love that phrase, exquisite risk, because it reinforces that there are so many layered feelings attached to these things that we believe we can talk ourselves into or out of. We like to think that we can make sense of why we hold ourselves back or don't put ourselves out there. Or we think if we never examine it or put distance between ourselves and our desires, then we'll just move on and never have to deal with them or the overwhelming regret or live in a state of compassion or understanding. And I simply don't think it works that way. In his book, he said, Fearful and selfish people cut the cord to those who are broken, not wanting to sit with a friend who can't find tomorrow, not wanting to be saddled with someone who will slow them down, not wanting to face what is broken in themselves. In this lies the challenge of compassion. For when we dare to hold those forced to the ground, dare to hold them close, the truth of holding and listening sings, and we are carried into the wisdom of broken bones and how things heal. That quote hits so close to home for me. Maybe it does for you as well. Maybe part of the reason why we never want to look at the ways we are limiting ourselves or cutting ourselves off from what we want is because we know in our soul that if we do look at these parts of ourselves with mindfulness and compassion and surrender, we might see the roadmap clearly for the first time. We might see what action steps to take or words to say that would create something new and beautiful in our lives. Because how often are we just going through the motions? How often is something else driving us and motivating us? How often does that include hiding our light or not being present for what is right in front of us? In some ways, I think the point he's making in his book is that we can't afford to not take the risk of going after our happiness or walking towards what our authentic self is craving. And I don't mean to talk about happiness in a good vibes only kind of way, because that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about soul satisfaction. Feeling as if you are in deep alignment, maybe with something you never saw coming or something that you didn't think was perfect for you, but it feels perfect for you. I always talk about that feeling of looking at a place on the map and seeing it circled and just feeling like my name is inside that circle. That feeling of total and complete connection and alignment and truth and authenticity with who we really are. And that's what I mean when I say happiness. It might not look like what our daily lives look like and it might really surprise us. We might even shy away from it at first. 
then you know I love some good questions and I'm not going to let you down in this episode because I have about 237 listed, but I want to begin with presence. And I was really thinking about that as I tried to write my list of 100 things that I want and how quickly I took myself out of presence because it was really hard to sit there in desire. There's a lot of shame in our culture about wanting things and, you know, it's this highest ideal of like wanting nothing. But it's not about wanting something to make sure you actually get it. It's not one plus one equals two. It's sort of what I mentioned before. It's the exploration into our desire that reveals things about us. Maybe some things we've been unwilling to admit or look at. And for that reason alone, these exercises are great. So in asking ourselves questions about presence, how would our presence and awareness add to our experience of life or our relationships? And I don't just mean presence as we normally think, you know, I'm showing up in my body. I mean complete, undefended presence. Connection with no agenda or ulterior motive. Connection with the intention to show up and really connect the good, the bad, the ugly. Trusting that to connect means to let go of control and let someone in. Let someone actually see us and know us. We have no control over how other people perceive us. Sometimes we don't have control over how we perceive us. And are we willing to stay in the moment of presence and let go of our need to control the narrative or the experience. And you can take a moment here and close your eyes and think of one person that you really want to know. And a person that you really want to know you. What would it feel like to be your authentic self with this person? To show up and to not edit any part of yourself. To be completely received. What feelings would that bring up in you? What could happen to you? How could that experience transform either of you? And could you be present for that? Or as I'm asking these questions, is your first impulse in your body to escape and run away and say, I don't want to share all of myself with anyone. There's no one who could receive all of that. Can we show up for ourselves and for our relationships without armor, without looking over our shoulders? without waiting for the other shoe to drop? Can we show up for these relationships with total presence in the here and now, not the fictional version of us that we imagine in the landscape of someday, but in the here and now, who we are with what we have? 
What if we thought of presence in a different way? What if we looked at it as living and loving like it was the very last time? What if it was speaking to other people as if it was our last conversation? What if it was being brave and completely courageous as if it was our very last chance? And what would all of those things reveal to us about ourselves if we live that way in that presence and we let it touch every area of our lives? Would we realize things that we've always known? Would we have to come to terms with things that we don't want to know, things that we don't want to see about ourselves? Would we shatter some illusions or would we expand our perception? I read a beautiful book of poetry by Galway Cannell when I was a teenager, and the title of it was Imperfect Thirst. That title was inspired by a Sufi poem that I reread before recording today, and it goes like this. If your eyes are not deceived by the mirage, do not be proud of the sharpness of your understanding. It may be your freedom from this optical illusion is due to the imperfectness of your thirst. And reading those words today, I was wondering, are we willing to accept the imperfectness of our own thirst, our own desire, our own wants, the people, places, and things that make us glad we're alive, even if it doesn't make sense to anyone else? Do we try to talk ourselves out of it and think our way through it and be sensible? And what happens when we step away from sensibility and we just immerse ourselves in our senses and our wants? What would we learn? I also dove into the archives of Tara Brock Meditations this week because, as you can clearly see, I was very, very busy in the middle of everything not really going my way this week. <laughs> and I just made a conscious choice to immerse myself in this work and things that inspire me. So I listened to one of her guided meditations and it couldn't have come at a better time because she was helping us to uncover our desire and reveal what we want in our lives. And in this guided meditation, she invited us to visualize what we would do if we had just one year left to live. Then the inquiry transitioned into, what would we do if we knew that we only had six months left? Or just one month? Or one week? And then finally, what would we do if we had just one day left? What would we reconcile? What stories would we share? How would we spend our time? How would we want to be known? What would we tell the truth about? Which relationships would deepen? 
which relationships would come to an end. What would we change about our lives and why? What is it that we would want to hide from others? And what would we want them to know about who we really are? And as I sat in this meditation, I thought about how I've been spending my time these last two years hiding, creating, grieving, writing, trying, recording, interviewing, moving through disappointments, beating myself up, and then forgiving myself and refocusing all of that energy. And let's not forget worrying. Maybe you can relate. How much time and energy and mental real estate has worrying taken up in our lives during these last two years? Because I can't be the only one. I'm sure that there's one or two or like a hundred of you out there who can relate the worry that has just consumed so many parts of our lives. And for me, meditation is always a journey home to myself and my connection with the world around me. And sitting in this one particular guided meditation, I felt as if I was invited into a gentle call and response with myself that I thought I'd share with you here. And it's funny how questions bring you back to yourself and then to more questions and then back to yourself because there's always room to go deeper, another layer within ourselves that we can't imagine exists there. So maybe these questions will resonate, maybe not, but here goes. Am I available to grow? Am I available to change? Am I available to show up? Am I available to be wrong? Am I available to be inspired? Am I available to be a beginner? Am I available to be redirected? Am I available to shift my priorities? Am I available to honor my intuition? Am I available to be uncomfortable? Am I available to sit in the unknown? Am I available to connect with others? Am I available to learn something new? Am I available to move outside of my comfort zone? Am I available to become the person I never saw coming? Am I available to do what I would want to do if I only had one day left to live? And if the answer is yes, why aren't I already doing it? And those are some good questions to sit with. (laughs) 
I've been going over and over and over them this week. And it's interesting what answers rise to the surface and what allowing myself to dream or desire or admit what I want has brought up for me. There's this line in a U2 song that I love, and it goes, In dreams begin responsibilities. And I actually believe that it's the title of a short story by Delmore Schwartz, but whoever said it first, it resonates because so often we believe that our dreams and desires are divorced from our reality and that there's no point in entertaining them because we can't see the straight line from like A to B. But when I hear that one line, in dreams begin responsibilities, I'm reminded that sometimes our dreams are equivalent to planting a seed and the farming and nurturing of that seed, the actual turning it into fruit, is the responsibility. And we can't have one without the other. They're both equally important. So what happens when our dreams are way too small and we sell ourselves short? Or we stop ourselves before we even begin or try or hope. And what happens when our dreams are really big and feel completely unachievable? And that thought stops us from ever even pursuing them or taking action steps or prevents us from even thinking about them. I know that for some of us, it can be really hard to ask ourselves these questions and sit with these answers. And, you know, the whole world will tell us that we don't need to look at the things that we don't like about ourselves or the moments in our lives where we felt weak or unsure or unlovable. But I don't feel that way. I think it's okay to ask questions that invite us to explore different or difficult parts of ourselves. This is life, not a beauty contest or a race to show off our highest evolution. The rush to be detached, to not name our humanness, to shy away from the profound lessons of desire or uncomfortable feelings is really just another way of looking in the mirror and saying, I don't want to know you. Because so many things take root in complete darkness. So many stories exist in our layers. Shining a light, asking questions, and sitting with the answers just means that we're comfortable with who we are, where we are, and doing what we're doing. And honestly, that means so much more to me than being perfect. Wouldn't it be wild and beautiful if our capacity to sit with the things that we dislike about ourselves was equivalent to our ability to share what we love about ourselves? And as I sit with all of those questions, I think about my friend Dan. I've mentioned on this podcast before. I talk about him a lot in my Instagram stories. Thank you for all the sweet responses. And he used to talk to me all the time about getting right-sized. And I would listen. I really would. 
I would nod along as he spoke about the importance of walking in alignment with our true purpose and being our authentic selves in a world that almost demands that we be exactly like everyone else in order to accommodate its fluctuating and temperamental needs. And I always thought he was asking me to be quieter, smaller, or less visible. I thought he was asking me to compromise or acquiesce and be more likable. And it wasn't until he looked at me one day and explained that the entire time he had been speaking to me about getting right-sized, he meant that I was living beneath my potential and capacity. And he was worried about the long-term effects of me living as less than. He said that getting right-sized wasn't about making ourselves easier for others to digest. It was about allowing ourselves to be who we are meant to be and to do all of the things that we came here to do. When I was out of sorts and feeling really out of place in my life, he would look at me and say, none of this is working out for you because it's not supposed to. You don't belong here. This isn't you, and that's okay. Go be who you are. Get right-sized. And I thought that maybe one of you might need to hear that today, because I know that I sure do. And if you're finding yourself a little frozen like a deer in the headlights after surviving these last two years. And you're just not feeling like yourself. Or you're not sure what to do next. Or where to go or where you are supposed to be. What you're really supposed to be doing or who you're supposed to be with. I want to invite you to sit with some of those questions I asked earlier. Take some time. Walk back to yourself with presence and a willingness to just let go of some of the control and receive and observe who you really are, what comes to the surface for you, what you really want, where you want to be. Maybe we'll all be surprised to find out that the message waiting for us isn't one of shame or fear, or deprivation, or mocking us for our dreams, or what we want. Maybe it's just the simplest reminder that the world is continuing to unfold in perfect alignment, and it's completely ready for us to show up as ourselves when we are finally ready to do that. So here are a few gentle reminders for you as we wind down this episode. One, we often misinterpret messages based on our own fears and insecurities. We might need to look at the message again. (laughs) Calm down, look at it again. Meditate, come back and look at it again. And see what we are willing to see in the messages that come our way. And two, we were born with certain gifts and capacity. We are not doing anyone any favors by living small or not showing up as our fully expressed selves. You were given those certain desires, those interests, those wants for a reason. Maybe we don't even know what that reason is, but we owe it to ourselves to explore it, 
Three, find people who look at you as if you are limitless. The people who look at the space above your head and only see vast sky and possibilities. You deserve to hear yes. Four, sit with the messages of doubt. The stories we tell ourselves of less than. And the people around you who demand your relentless accommodation. Listen to all of them, but don't believe them. Their purpose is to show us who we are not meant to be. A life that doesn't fit us in spaces where we don't belong. They're messengers. They are road markers and dead-end signs on the long and winding road. Back home to ourselves. I'd like to close this episode with one of my favorite quotes from Joseph Heller's novel, Catch-22. Yosarian says, I'm not running away from my responsibilities. I'm running to them. There's nothing negative about running away to save my life. So, on that note, let's all agree to run towards something we want this week. Maybe even run towards ourselves. And until next week, make sure to hit the follow button on your favorite podcast listening platform. Check out this week's playlist on my personal Spotify account. And join me on Instagram at Love Letters and Mixtapes. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider making a small monthly donation to support this podcast by clicking the link in my Instagram bio.